This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Do you ever look at someone and wonder what is going on inside their head? Joy. This is sadness. That's anger. What? This is disgust. Uh, and that's fear. Ah! We're Riley's emotions. Wait, what? What happened? She did something to the memory. What did you do? I, I just touched it. I shouldn't make it change. Oh, change it back, Joy. You can't change it back? No, I guess I can't. Could go in sadness. Now when Riley thinks of that moment with Dad, she's going to feel sad. Bravo. I'm sorry, Joy. I don't really know. I thought maybe if you... If, if Just don't touch any other memories until we figure out what's going on. Okay. All right. If you've ever been told that you're an ENFP or an ISTJ, then you've already taken the most popular personality test now used by Fortune 500 companies, the CIA, and governments around the world. I think there are different ways to think about the efficacy of the test. One is to think about the validity and the reliability of it. Those are scientific questions. Many companies now believe personality testing is best to measure an applicant's friendliness, curiosity, and independence. Not everyone agrees. There's no transparency about what it is exactly that the employers are looking for. Um, They're looking for a certain personality type, and you may not know exactly what that personality type is. I think the underlying problems about the way we colonize and manage people's psychological well-being and sense of self, that to me continues to be a problem no matter what personality assessment system you use. Now a study from the Cambridge University says uh, the pages you like are as revealing as taking a personality test, would you believe? In fact, some parts of your identity can be predicted with 95% accuracy. Can I say that curse word now? Hello and welcome to Science-ish. I'm Rick Edwards, joined as ever by Dr. Michael Brooks. Hello. Before we start, Michael, I've spoken to the producers beforehand and they wanted me to ask you this question. Uh, which Lord of the Rings character are you? Oh, we're not doing Lord of the Bloody Rings. <laughs> Thankfully, no, we're not. Well, in that case, uh, well, wisdom-wise, Gandalf, probably. They predicted you to say Gandalf, and they wanted me to say, no, you're clearly... <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know why this is funny, if it is. No, you're clearly Gimli. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> it's a good reaction. No idea what it means. Uh, never watched what? the films. Never read the book. Never read the books. No interest. Not my sort of thing. Really. Hobbit? No, 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 no not, not, not for me. That kind of fantasy <laughs> stuff. I think I read the Lord of the Rings books as a teenager about three or four times. <laughs> of course you did. <laughs> you did a doctorate in quantum physics, mate. <laughs> like, that's mandatory. That's how you got onto oh. the doctorate. 
The reason that they wanted me to ask you that yeah. is because this week uh, I'm leading and we're going to be looking at personality testing. Oh, this is going to be fun. I think it's going to be uh, it's going to be interesting. I'll give you that. So what, what's our piece of fiction? So we're going to be looking at, in the last of our trilogy of animated films, uh, the 2015 Pixar movie Inside Out. I loved this film. Did you really? I did. I absolutely loved it. When I saw the trailer, I was like, oh, this is going to be sick. And then I went and watched it. And I, I really liked it, but I didn't love it. I didn't think it was one of Pixar's best. Oh. Got to be right. honest. Uh, right. But it is it is good. I mean, it's sort of, um, you're in a little girl's head and there's a control room up there. A bit like, the it's a ripoff of the numbskulls. Do you remember the numbskulls? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Different characters, different personality traits yeah. operating in, in her mind. And that's basically it. Yeah. I remember at the time just thinking, oh, it's, you know, neuroscience as, a, as an animated, you know, movie theatre experience. It's quite interesting. Yeah, I guess I thought that the neuroscience is not paper thin. Yeah, <laughs> uh, uh, but still, like it, it's it's good. Clearly, I was in a good mood when I went. That's yeah, all I can say. And the, well, yes, being controlled by one of your humours. Yes. <laughs> um, so our big question is: Does personality testing work? So who have we tracked down to help us figure out which Harry Potter character you are, Malfoy? I presume is is he the little blonde evil one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll take that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, fine. <laughs> Anyway, we've managed to get Dr. Merve Emre from Oxford University, and she's just written a book called The Personality Brokers, The Strange History of Myers-Briggs and the Birth of Personality Testing. Oh, so Myers-Briggs. I know quite a little a bit about this, actually. Quite a little bit quite about it. Quite a little it. bit. I was going to make a boast and say I know quite a bit about it. And then I thought, you modified it halfway Like through. everyone else, I actually know a little bit about it. My brother-in-law does Myers-Briggs testing. He's trained in this. Just Myers-Briggs? Uh, I think so, yeah. I mean, he doesn't like exclusively focus on just doing Myers-Briggs stuff. He, what he does is he kind of helps people to relate to each other within mm. companies and stuff. So in a way, I shouldn't be surprised that you know someone who does Myers-Briggs because it is like the daddy of all of these tests and it right. is the one that is most commonplace and most widely used. So the first thing that we asked Dr. Merve is how did it get to be so popular? The Myers-Briggs Type Indicator is the most popular personality assessment in the world. It is administered to over 2 million people every year in over 84 countries, and it has been translated into just a little over, I think, two dozen languages. So the Myers-Briggs Type Indicator is named after the two women who designed it, a mother and a daughter pair named Catherine Briggs and Isabel Briggs Myers. And the first version of the indicator was patented in 1943. It was based on the language of type that they had learned from the writings of Carl Jung, the Swiss uh, psychiatrist. It is almost the rule that an introvert marries an extrovert for composition or another type marries the counter type. It was designed by these two women who had no formal training in psychology or sociology, but who were self-proclaimed housewives and mothers and believed that all of the work that they performed as women managing the day-to-day operations of a house and all of the disparate and sometimes cranky personalities that jostled against one another in that home had really prepared them to uh, figure out what people's personalities were. Do you ever look at someone and wonder, what is going on inside their head? Did you guys pick up on that? Sure did. Something's wrong. We're going to find out what's happening, but we'll need support. Signal the husband. What did she say? What? 
Oh, oh, sorry, sir. No one was listening. Is it garbage night? Uh, we left the toilet seat up. What? What is it, woman? What? Isabel, at the time, had apprenticed herself to one of the first personnel management consultants in the United States. And he started selling it to some of his biggest clients like General Electric and Standard Oil and the New York Life Insurance Company. And the story of how the type indicator became the most popular personality assessment in the world is really a story of a kind of slow diffusion. A couple of people took it in the 40s, more people took it in the 50s. By the 60s, when the Educational Testing Service, ETS, was trying to figure out whether to publish it or not, they were helping to administer it to hundreds of thousands of college students, nurses, doctors, ministers, really just about any kind of professional worker you could think of. And then by the 80s and 90s, it really became a household name, a kind of staple for people interested in wellness, in self-care, but also for, you know, major corporations and the workplace more generally. So this is based on Carl Jung. I'm laughing already. Well, why, why are you laughing? Because <laughs> all of this stuff's discredited. <laughs> Basically, yeah. But I mean, the idea of this, like splitting people up into personality groups, that must go back sort of before him. The, the idea of splitting people into different types is pretty old. And so Hippocrates, back in the 4th century BC, he sort of built on this idea of the humours, you know, the, the idea that different temperaments come about because you've got different amounts of fluid, oh, yeah, specific yeah. types of fluid in, in, in your body. And he said, there are four temperaments and you can split everyone into those types and generally you'll have two of them dominant. Um, and so he said that you can be sanguine, um, which is with your you kind of social and kind of enthusiastic about stuff. Choleric, which is like independent and ambitious. Melancholic, which is means, it's kind of not really what you'd assume that melancholic meant, but it just means like deep thinkers, very kind of analytical. Right, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then phlegmatic, which is just sort of quite peaceful, quite chilled. Like me. Uh, well, maybe. And then Jung kind of extended these ideas and mixed them in with his own and... Yeah, like I say, I don't think anyone currently working in this field thinks much of what he said. <laughs> right. Truth be told. Really? Yeah. So they don't even think Jung is the answer? No. Right, they just think that this thing developed by two housewives who were kind of obsessed by Jung is the way to go. Uh, I wouldn't say that exactly. I mean, I think what I find fascinating about this is that clearly there is something in people having different personalities and you can see similarities and differences in people's yeah. personalities and therefore it does make sense to look for ways of kind of measuring and quantifying them. yeah okay a absolutely yeah and there should exist a way of doing it now whether the myers-briggs test is is that way will will come on to but you can use these personality tests as a tool for some form of psychological evaluation yeah to tell you yeah, some yeah. stuff about people and there are two main types so projective or objective. So projective tests are ones like, you know, the inkblot, the sort of Rorschach yeah. um, inkblot tests. So you present a stimulus to someone and then it's open to their interpretation. Yeah. So you, you get them to, to say what they think and it's obviously a subjective reaction. And objective tests are standardised, so they try and 
avoid responder bias and subjectivity by trying to have a much more objective test. So there tend to be multiple choice. So like Myers-Briggs is multiple choice. Right, so okay, say, yeah, yeah. You know, which of these statements applies best to you and then you, you So pick. it's objective and it's a sort of self-reporting questionnaire thing. Y- y- that's, ex- that's exactly Have it. you done it? My my dear wife uh, is quite into it actually, and uh, she uh, I think she's had a word with your brother in law. <laughs> we, we gave him a couple of hundred quid, and lo and behold, we're allowed to do this test. Uh. So yeah, I have done it. I can't remember what I got, even though I did it quite recently. But I did think that is a load of old baloney. When Ema did it, whatever she got, I, I was able to sort of think, yeah, there's something in that. Like I can see a seed of truth within those those, those things, right? Uh, and on mine, I genuinely couldn't. And it's not that like I was looking for something in particular. It's just like I don't recognise those traits in myself. So did you get extrovert or introvert? You remember I that? I can't even remember that, actually. Um, but I mean... So, even that's uh, that's bullshit, though, isn't it? Really, because you, you change with circumstance. Well, this is this is kind of the, the big issue, is that personality is not necessarily fixed. So it may well change according to what mood you're in yeah. when you take the test. Yeah. Um, but the other thing is that Myers-Briggs splits you into 16 personality types and it does that. So it's got these paired characteristics. So extroversion and introversion. So you're either E or I. Yeah. Sensing and intuition. So you're either S or N. Thinking and feeling. So you're T or F. And judging or perceiving. So you're J or P. And no no right or wrong answers, but you'll come up with a four-letter code, and then yeah. each of those is attributed with, with a name. So the categories are things like you can be like a craftsman or a strategist or, or, or whatever. And the sort of polarizing nature of that, just being like a binary, you're extroverted or introverted, right. already is problematic. Because yeah, I think yeah. that when you look at, and you know, like extroversion and introversion is definitely a thing. Like and you and you absolutely sort of have a almost like intuitive understanding. Like you know people who are extroverted, yeah. and you know people who are introverted. But the vast majority of people, as you can imagine, it's a bell curve, yeah, like pretty yeah, much. Yeah. And so most people are what you call ambiverts, which is they can be one or the other, right? And this doesn't really. It's, it, you're either E or I. Yeah. And even if it's giving you a sort of percentage, going, oh, you're sixty percent E, forty percent. It's still saying like in that code, you are being delineated as yeah, being yeah. that thing. But this is this is a big, as your brother-in-law well knows, this is a big, big industry. So the people who run Myers-Briggs, so it's licensed to a, a, a company and has been since, I think, the mid-70s. Yeah. And they roll it out, and they're making like $20 million a year. Like most of Fortune 100 companies use it. Yeah. Most of them. Right. Schools use it, the military use it, hospitals use it. Like, it's everywhere. Like, people are really... They're just genuinely into it. I mean, is it complete bullshit? Well, that's what we asked Merve next. And spoiler, yes, of course it is. I think there are two different ways to think about the efficacy of the test. One is to think about the validity and the reliability of it. Those are scientific questions. How valid is it? Which means, is it actually measuring the qualities or characteristics or preferences that it claims to be measuring? And how reliable is it? If one person takes the test multiple times, what are the chances that they will get the same type? A few weeks ago, our job coach, Mary Abagay, revealed to me and the world my Myers-Briggs personality. It turns out I'm an E. ENFP. But to use Myers-Briggs successfully in the workplace, you need to understand not only your personality type, but those around you. Most personality psychologists do not 
take the indicator seriously. So a lot of the research on it sort of peters out in the late 90s, early 2000s, once people realize that, you know, personality science shouldn't really be concerned with self-reporting indicators in the first place. But most of the science on it shows that it is neither valid nor reliable. That is to say, it's not measuring the things that it claims to be measuring, like extroversion or introversion. And we could argue about what those categories even mean in the first place. But that is a separate question from why people are so drawn to it, which has nothing to do with its validity or its reliability. There's a couple personality types that are a little skeptical about this touchy-feely personality stuff, okay? Those personality types are ISTJs and ESTJs. And I happen to know that 41.8% of the people in this room are ISTJs and ESTJs. And I can typically pick them out uh, in an audience because they're looking at me like this. Often they take a personality test to gain access to a vocabulary for describing themselves, for understanding themselves, for knowing who they are. And I think what's extraordinary to me about the Myers-Briggs type indicator is the way that it's taken words like extrovert or introvert or thinking and feeling. And it's transformed them from these adjectives that are supposed to describe people's attitudes towards the world into types of people themselves. So it's very common to hear somebody describe themselves as an extrovert or say, I am an introvert or I am a thinker or I am a feeler. And to me, that's what explains the indicator's longevity and its, and its appeal. It's given people this language of self that they can use uh, to describe who they are and that is easily interpretable for other people. While there's certainly things to be alarmed about with the individual use of type, uh, historically, what's much more alarming are the ways that major corporations, the military, universities, the church, basically every big post-war institution has used the language of type to organize people. MBTI is a tool for enhancing workplace communication and performance and is led by a facilitator who, from the get-go, explains that there's a clear understanding and appreciation for the differences in all of us and that there is no right style. The type indicator has often been used in corporations to uh, not just to hire or fire or promote people, although it's certainly been used for that, but it's been used to convince employees that if they can do the kind of work that is best suited to their personality types, then it's okay for them to bind themselves to that work freely and gladly. It makes it much easier for the people that we work for to exploit us by convincing us that we should be doing our work because we love it or because it's best suited to our personalities. So it's basically like saying, look, you're a Virgo. You yeah. need to just knuckle down and do this. This is what you really. This is what you were born for. The the comparison with astrology and and horoscopes is pretty clear, actually, and <laughs> it, it, even to the extent that it's it, it kind of comes down to the same thing that the Fourer effect or the or the Barnum effect, which is that people really like stuff when it feels like it's individual to them, the like totally yeah, tailored yeah, response. Yeah. When it, in reality, it's quite vague and could apply to anyone. Yeah, but if you it, even like stuff like. If you trust the person who's administering it, so if I trust your brother-in-law and I think that he's qualified to do what he's doing, and then he gives me back this report and it features my name in it a lot, so, yeah. you know, like, or, or you, you know, just very personal, I am more likely to buy that. Yeah, I'm more yeah. likely to be compelled by it. Yeah. And then you've got all sort of, you know, with the, with the Myers-Briggs, 
it's all positive. Like all of the categories are positive. So there's no negatives in there. Yeah. So people are always quite happy with that because they're effectively people are self-serving. Yeah. And so you're you're looking for affirmation of being like a great guy <laughs> or <laughs> so, a great girl. So effectively sanctions like who you are. It's like it's fine to be who you are and behave the way you do because that's you know that's just you know who, yeah that's that's, that's, that's just you. That's it. That, that's the fixed thing. Yeah. That's the glory um, of you. Yeah, but then you know you look at there's there's all this anecdotal stuff from from businesses like McKinsey apparently used the big firm used the the Myers Briggs and everyone knows what everyone's four letter code is yeah and so if you pretend like one guy was saying that he used to pretend even though he got an E he used to pretend that he got an I an introverted and use it as an excuse to like go home early and not go to like after work drinks he'd just be like sorry guys I'd love to but I'm an I and that's fine and everyone's like cool and I quite like that where you start yeah. to game it yeah yeah problem. yeah but um, then there's another one where um, like a, a management consultant said that uh, this is only a few years ago this is like a couple of years ago the incoming management team during a merger were all asked to take the test. And uh, the boss of the, of the existing company said, yeah, we won't like fire the new people coming in who don't meet the personality type that we're looking for, but they will get weeded out over time. So literally, you just look at them and you're like, mm, not going to work out for you, I'm afraid, because you're a blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Uh, and I won't say that, but we'll we'll get rid of you, don't yeah, worry. Yeah, yeah. That's terrifying. But you could also argue that, that over time, you would realise that you can't get on or work with that person because of their personality and being able to put a label on it and right. sort of doing it actually it, gives you a kind of something to hang if, it on if the label is valid or reliable yes but what um, we've just heard from Merve is it's neither valid nor reliable <laughs> so if you get people to take it multiple times 50% of people or more will end up with different results that immediately oh. tells you this is a crock oh yeah that's you problematic cannot like, there's no defense for that. Like, yeah, how yeah. can you get... It's still you. It's an incredibly blunt instrument. People are taking these tests not just because their workplace are making them to do it, but because it, it satisfies something sort of inherently, like, narcissistic about us. We really like recognizing... There's a sort of... There's a thrill in taking these tests. And there's so many of them online as well now, not just, you know, like the silly little, you know, ones that tell you what Harry Potter house you'd be in or yeah, what Lord yeah, of the Rings character yeah, you'd be. For example, yeah, Gimli, yeah. wasn't it? Was it Gimli? <laughs> it yeah. was Gimli. Uh, and, and we like it because we're we're very tribal. There's a, there's a real, like, we get a buzz from knowing that we belong to a group of people. Yeah. Um, and that's absolutely satisfied by things like the Myers-Briggs. All right, so so we've kind of decimated Myers Briggs. I feel well, it's decimated itself. <laughs> yeah, and, and 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 to be honest, our, our you know guest expert has done the same thing. <laughs> yes, yes, it's not like we're saying anything controversial. Like no serious psychologist takes it seriously. Right. Research into it stops <laughs> twenty years ago. It was like no, no. And yet it still continues. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there must be other personality tests that do a little better. So there is a, a thing called the, the Big Five, which are these characteristics that psychologists do think kind of define our personality type. So extroversion is one of them, and these are all sliding scale. Oh, good. So okay. extroversion, uh, emotional stability, agreeableness, which is my, my favourite, and one of the reasons they think that this hasn't caught on as much because obviously on the other end of that sliding scale <laughs> is disagreeable <laughs> uh, and people don't like that people on don't the other end of that sliding that scale is Rick Edwards but yeah exactly yeah. exactly and I'm fine with that like I don't have a problem with it but it should probably be rebranded to like compliant or challenging or something like oh, that yeah, because yeah. people would be like, like yeah that. I'm a challenger 
but yeah, they, they think that's a that's a big factor. Like people people are not into negative descriptions of themselves, <laughs> like you. Uh, so we've had extroversion, emotional stability, agreeableness, conscientiousness. So oh yeah, I don't know how, how do you reckon you're doing on that? I'm good on that. Yeah, I think very you are, very actually. strong. Yeah, uh, and openness. And those five, when those are measured, they're much better at predicting job performance and things like that. So therefore, should be used by companies if they're interested in using personality testing at all. This is a much better predictor. Right. And they've got sort of genetic and biological basis. So we're just starting now. Like neuroscience has started to map areas of the brain and seeing activity that is, that is correlating with these characteristics. We have a major problem. Oh, Joy, where are you? We lost Goofball Island. That means she can lose friendship and hockey and honesty and family. You can fix this, right, Joy? I, uh, I don't know. But we have to try. Okay, come on. (sighs) Riley's gone to sleep. Which is a good thing when you think about it because nothing else bad can happen while she's asleep. We'll be back to headquarters before she wakes up. We'll just go across Friendship Island. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. There's one actually fairly large study. So they studied uh, 13,000 university students over 20 years, 20, 23 years, whatever. And they saw links between the big five traits and then the subjects that they chose. Right. And that that's genuinely quite interesting. Because yeah. if, for example, someone was to say to you, you know, when you're making your A-level choices or, um, you know, what you're going to do after you finish school, and you're struggling, and someone says, well, we can do these this test, this sort of big five test, tell you something about your personality type, and then just give you a bit of guidance. Say, well, generally, people who are, you know, and it's slightly like, if you're a bit neurotic, you're more likely to flourish doing arts and humanities. If you're an extrovert, you're more likely to go for something like law or economics. So it just that can be a helpful guiding right. principle, couldn't it? I suppose if, so. If you're just getting a bit stuck. Yeah, yeah. Presumably, though, all these firms are starting to look at these alternatives and and sort of say, "Oh, let's you know, let's let's leave Myers Briggs and let's go and use the Big Five or, or something else." Now, so we asked Dr. Murphy this: if we should be replacing Myers Briggs with something that is at least a little bit reliable. More and more people are turning to the Big Five personality inventory as a better, more scientifically valid and reliable model of personality assessment. One of the interesting things about writing this book is that I'm continually getting emails from people who have their own system of personality typing (laughs) uh, and that they're asking me to assess them. But I mean, something you can probably tell from the book is that I don't believe that we should have systems of personality typing. It doesn't matter really if it's replaced with a system that's more valid or more reliable. I think the underlying problems about the way we colonize and manage people's psychological well-being and sense of self, that to me continues to be a problem no matter what personality assessment system you use. Riley's islands of personality, they're all down. Oh, 
This is bad. We... we can fix this. We just have to get back to headquarters, plug the core memories in, and Riley will be back to normal. Oh, Riley has no core memories. No personality islands and no... What? What is it? You. You're not in headquarters. Without you, Riley can't be happy. I would say another really important thing to be aware of is how the language of type is only extended to certain kinds of people. So when Isabel Briggs Myers designed the indicator in the 1940s, she didn't believe that anybody with an IQ under 100 should be given it because she didn't believe that they had the cognitive capacity to differentiate their preferences. They could not speak the language of individuality in the way that you needed to in order for learning your type to be something valuable. And throughout the history of the indicator, you see all of these moments where that language of self, that language of individuality is extended really unequally. So men, for instance, enjoy it more than women do. The people who take the indicator are by and large white and affluent. And the questions, the design of the questions is impossibly bourgeois. So the questions are all about how do you work? How do you go on vacation? How do you think about your education? And I think we need to acknowledge, and this is true for maybe all personality tests, that they're already winnowing at the level of the questions and who they're being asked to. They're already narrowing down the field of who gets access to that language of being an individual, who gets to think about their personality, even if only to type it. I don't think we've ever had an expert on the... And we've done a lot of episodes now who's slated something so hard. Impossibly bourgeois is good. Yeah, I mean, she knows everything that's wrong with this, doesn't no she? No validity, no reliability, impossibly bourgeois. <laughs> and, but, I mean, actually, there's a sort of dark side of this emerging, yeah, yeah, isn't yeah. there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The fact that there's a clear bias towards, you know, as with so many things, wealthy white men. Oh, no. I know. <laughs> what, a, what a surprise that is. Uh, but also, there's, there's examples where, you know, these kind of bogus tests, sort of psychometric tests have been used. So I don't know if you remember, back in uh, 2013, the DWP, Department of Work and Pensions, uh, bless them, and they, they, they get so much right. Uh, <laughs> but in this instance, um, they were um, getting job seekers to do this online questionnaire that was, well, quote-unquote, a load of old bollocks. <laughs> um, and even saying, and it was came from their, you know, their nudge unit. Yeah, oh yeah, I remember that, yeah. And uh, absolutely no rigorous scientific sort of psychological basis for it. And they were saying, and they denied this, but anecdotally, if you don't do this, then we're going to hold back your benefits for a while. I mean, really... Like, totally, totally unacceptable. And the questions are, like, mental. Things like, um, uh, do you agree with this statement? I never go out of my way to visit museums. (laughs) What the fuck has that got to do with anything? (laughs) Like, why are you asking someone that? What does that, what's that supposed to do to the, because I think that the idea was for it to be a kind of positive, aspirational. um, Yeah, or like, to make people feel good about themselves yeah. so that they were they were better equipped to go out and find jobs. That was the, like, I think it had a sort of positive ambition. But realistically, how, how am I supposed to feel if I don't go out of my... Like, I'm, I'm unemployed. 
I'm, I'm on my ass. I just need my benefits. And someone is sort of slightly um, needling me for not going to the British Museum and sort of wanking off over Tutankhamun or whatever it is. Like, it's really, I just, I remember reading about it at the time and just thinking, this is really, really not okay at all. Uh, and uh, there's, there's one more. Uh, I, I read off, uh, there's a good um, uh, article in The Guardian, obviously, about this. And one of the other... Uh, uh, statements on the test was um, I have not created anything of beauty in the last year <laughs> oh, that, thank you I feel I actually feel fantastic uh, and then and then at the end of it you're supposed to be assigned a set of um, you know attributes that are all supposed to be quite positive but what's my positive attribute for when I say I haven't created anything of beauty in the last year and also who, who says yes to that <laughs> Like, genuinely, who says yes I mean, to that? Yeah, I mean, I, I can't say yes to that. To no, be of course you can't. Uh, no, I've just done the bare minimum on everything. Yeah, yeah, you selfish <laughs> prick. <laughs> Point being, yeah, that that's a really nefarious use of these kind of popular but um, baseless tests. So it's a sort of social control, isn't it? It's sort of manipulation of... It's manipulation of that, and it's manipulation of the fact that people really enjoy it. That's really what it comes down to. People love taking these tests. And so yeah. the whole Cambridge Analytica scandal, where you kind of, you know, this thing of like, you know, collecting big data to predict behavior and then, you know, predict personality and then try and influence them with targeted ads. So the classic thing is, you know, if you're, uh, let's say, from the profiling, it shows that you are quite an anxious person, then you might want to target that person with stuff that's going to make them feel a bit more anxious that favors your. Yeah, your your political party yeah. or, or or movement. Yeah, um, and that can be and be pretty awful. So it could be sort of saying, mm, "You're anxious, terrorists like that, yeah, that kind yeah, of stuff." Yeah. You know, and we'll we'll be we'll be hard on those guys. And this was targeted from things like BuzzFeed quizzes, wasn't it? Well, yeah. So there was one particular um, uh, test on Facebook uh, that a couple of uh, Cambridge University guys came up with that was. Uh, Using actually using the big five, which actually I should have said has a nice uh, acronym, uh, Ocean. Oh, that is nice. Yeah, that's nice. They got loads of psychometric uh, data from it, and they were able to then using those traits, so the ocean traits, and then their Facebook information side by side. You could then correlate what people were like with their personal details, so of their online behaviour on, on on Facebook. Um, so you know, Facebook likes and gender and age and like right yeah uh, and then you develop an algorithm and then that algorithm just by looking at facebook likes on its own could work out what people think and act like and and feel like with with like remarkable accuracy so with 70 likes so if you just if they just say okay you've liked these 70 things they could predict someone's personality uh, better than their friends could <laughs> so when 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 right, you say yeah, okay, yeah. what would the results of this personality test be? Their algorithm would be able to get a better idea than than someone's friends. And if you give it three hundred likes, it would outperform like your spouse. Wow! So, and again, it's quite scary, isn't it? It is quite scary uh, because you think, well, if people can that accurately predict what I'm thinking and feeling, um, and I don't know about it, in some senses, the internet if the if people have access to the data is like one huge personality test and it's a just waiting test. for that oh you're, yeah it's you're an not, amazing test you're not gaming it you're not you're gaming just, it at all you're just yourself. behaving yeah. being yourself yeah. yeah and so it's much more likely therefore to give an accurate sort of representation even though i guess that the the thing that 
that occurred to me when I was thinking about this is that personality, there is something underlying, but it isn't a set. It's not fixed. It's not yeah. a fixed sort of just thing that doesn't move. There's so many kind of dynamic parts and you, you've got certain habits and tendencies, of course, but they're, they're so influenced by your, by your surroundings and yeah. stuff. But much more likely through, you know, doing this personality test you don't realise you're doing, i.e. Yeah. behaving online, for people to work out your sort of, your, your deepest, darkest motivations and stuff. Excellent news. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, this is yeah. why when my family send me, like, oh, do this quiz. We've all just done this quiz. You know, do the it. The Myers-Briggs. Is it yeah, for your or, brother-in-law? <laughs> no. I mean, it's, it's just literally like Facebook personality tests mm. and who are your BuzzFeed quizzes, mm. things like that. I always say no. And I always say to them, have you learned nothing from the last five years of politics? But they and don't the, listen and the to And the answer is no, they haven't. No, no. <laughs> uh, so let's do a rundown. Do personality tests work? I don't think so. I don't, I don't, Myers Briggs Briggs has not come out well today. No, I would no. say, and, and uh, I've got to be honest, th- this episode will have no impact at all on the success <laughs> of the Myers Briggs uh, type indicator. It will yeah. continue. People will keep using it. People will pay to use it. Uh, your brother-in-law is going to be just fine. Oh, good. But good. It is a load of nonsense. Right. There are better ones out there, but slightly beware taking them and offering your data up in any way. Just be content with who you are. Science-ish is a Radio Wolfgang production presented by me, Rick Edwards, and Dr. Michael Brooks. The producers were Eli Block and Cormac McAuliffe. Sound designed by Eli Block. Special thanks to Dr. Merve M. Ray. If you like the show, please subscribe and rate wherever you listen to your podcast. Thanks very much. It does help. And you can find us on Twitter at science underscore ish. So let's give you a bit of context. Here are some celebrities uh, who've done Myers-Briggs yeah. and what they've come out as. So ITSP, introverted or in- introversion, uh, sensing, thinking and perceiving, Dalai Lama yeah. and Putin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I bet they get on really well. Of course they do. <laughs> How is that done, though? I mean, is that done by guess, or have they both sat down and done a Myers-Briggs test? I just read it, and I love the grouping. It's perfect. I mean, effectively, you get to that point, and you don't need to read anything else about it. Like, right. They're both peace-loving guys.